0: Tonight on Huckabee, the chicks on the right take on the left. Shonda Pierce gets down on the farm, and country great Tracy Lawrence performs. That's Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrick. And now, here's Mike Huckabee!
1: Thank you so much and welcome to what is gonna be a fantastic show. As Joe Namath once said, I guarantee it, I really will. Hey, universal health care. you've heard about that, right? Medicare for all, healthcare is a human right. Free healthcare for everyone, no premiums, no deductibles, no copays, no limits and no preexisting conditions. Now, these are some of the promises that you are being given if certain candidates get elected. Now, first, such a promise is based on getting two houses of Congress to agree, which is about as certain as having the tooth fairy leave you $100,000 in cash under your pillow for your next tooth. But only one candidate has been fairly honest in telling you that to get health insurance for free and provided exclusively by the government, you're gonna pay a lot more in taxes. Only Bernie Sanders actually admitted on the debate stage that his plan would require more taxes. The rest either just avoid the question or they flat out lied about it. Well, let's see what it means for you. Okay, so when politicians talk about health care, they really mean health insurance. And unless the government owns all the hospitals, clinics, and doctor offices and hires all the doctors, The government will not be the provider, they'll just be the insurer. Now granted, some politicians do want the government to provide all the care as well. That would eliminate any competition, it would destroy incentives for groundbreaking medical research and innovations, and it would leave you at the mercy of a government bureaucrat to make sure that you get care at all. And of course, someone in a government office has to define what care even means. Oh, it probably does mean that it would be there for some form of treatment of cancer, diabetes, major injuries, or a heart attack. But what about getting a knee or hip replacement or a life-saving kidney transplant? Maybe it would cover my recent surgery to have a melanoma removed from my nose, but I doubt it would cover the surgery to repair the wound and rebuild my nose. You see, it's easy to hate the insurance companies and I'm sure not pretending that they're all about doing charity work. But insurance, may not know this, it's one of the most highly regulated businesses in America. And despite what you may think, an insurance company can't just charge what it wants. It has to get permission from a state insurance commission and more often than not, those rate increases get denied. And when the increases are granted, it's because the insurance company is having to meet government requirements in order to have a cash reserve that'll give them a comfortable amount of money in the bank to cover potential claims. I hope I'm not just wearing you out, but I want to I'm getting to a point here. When government forces the insurance company to promise unlimited coverage, no lifetime benefits, and to cover all pre-existing conditions, it becomes pretty much impossible for an insurance company to stay in business and cover anyone. Now, here's what it'd be like. It'd be like your auto insurance coverage providing full replacement for your car even after you totaled it. Call up your agent. Hey, I'd like to get insurance from a car. Okay, tell me about the make and model. Well, till I totaled it yesterday, it was. Doubt that works. Here's another one. What about buying replacement coverage fire insurance for your home the day after it burned to the ground? Now, look, I'm not saying we shouldn't find a way to take care of pre-existing conditions, cause we should, but it's gonna mean that some partnership has to happen between the private companies and the government subsidies. And I don't know if you've heard, but Democrats want the government to run it all. Republicans tend to want the private sector to run it all. I'll be honest with you. I don't think either approach is practical. I'm convinced that some hybrid model is the only realistic way. Here's how it'd work. People would continue to buy most of their health coverage in a competitive private market But if someone incurred exceptional costs due to chronic illness, a major health setback or a catastrophic disease, then there would be a government subsidy to pick up some of those costs. A patient would still have a copay, a deductible, a monthly premium, but it would be based on a sliding scale, based on a person's income so that people still have some skin in the game. That way, no family would be completely wiped out because of a health crisis, which I don't think any of us is okay. I'd like to see some real solutions surface. But for now, it appears that we're being promised that we can have an everything plan for a nothing cost or consequence. And that's just not honest. So when you hear a politician promising free health care, beware of the other things that he or she is promising you, or you might be waiting on the tooth fairy for a very long time. So if you're tired of the leftist rants on The View, maybe you need chicksontheright.com. That's where conservative women take on issues with intelligence, insight, and humor. I recently had the opportunity to sit down with its founders, Amy Jo Clark and Miriam Weaver, or as you know them, Daisy and Macarena from Chicks on the Right. Take a look. So good having you guys here. I've been really looking forward to having this conversation with you guys because you've become a national phenomena of sort of saying that uh, conservative women can be funny, uh, they can talk about the issues, and they can be a little sarcastic and sassy about it as well.
2: And get ourselves into trouble. A little snarky. No,
1: surely (laughs) not.
2: Sometimes we get ourselves into trouble. Mostly her.
1: (laughs) Is she the the troublemaker in the air here? Now, you guys go by... Mock mm-hmm. and, and Daisy, Daisy. Uh-huh. where does that come from?
2: Oh gosh. Um, we just, well, we picked monikers back, we've been doing this for what, 10 and a half years mm-hmm. now? And we chose monikers because back in the day when we started our website, we had actual jobs. We had, you know, real full, I say real jobs. We, we're on the radio now and it doesn't seem like a real job. It's actually really fun. but the, um, But we both had full-time jobs and so, we had monikers because we we knew we were gonna get death threats as conservative women. Yeah. And, and we so, also didn't want our employers <laughs> to be held accountable exactly. for things that Ooh, we said. Good yeah. idea. So yeah. so we did that. And um and then now it we, we actually tried a couple years ago when we went to mornings to change our names and kind of rebrand ourselves and to be, become Amy, Joe, and Miriam. And people were outraged by that. There was, so was a revolt. Said, okay, forget it, we'll just stay as <laughs> Maka and Daisy. So. so now people know us as both. Yeah.
1: But the chicks on the right is a Funny concept, you know, two ladies, you're conservative, and there's just not a lot of you out there in the media. Why isn't there more space for conservative women in the media?
3: Well, especially now. Yeah. It It was at least better when we first started. uh People were more welcoming. Yeah. But now there's this huge effort to silence conservatives in all platforms. Now, do yeah. you
1: guys get that oh, on you know, yeah. both your website we've, as well as the radio show? We've
3: experienced it a lot. And don't the past. get us started on Facebook. Yeah, with
1: Zuckerberg. No, let's talk yeah, about that a minute because yeah. Facebook has shut down mm-hmm. a, lot voices, yeah. mm-hmm. a lot of the conservative voices. My own Facebook page.
3: Yeah, and ours too. Ours
2: you too. Know, we've they been, just,
1: they don't allow people it's a real to read thing. it. I
2: mean, it's, if people don't think it's actually happening, censorship is real. I mean, it's happening to a lot of us out there. A lot of the smaller sites and everything have already shut down. We have a lot of friends and And people who we know, I say, you know, you want to call them colleagues, I guess, people who do sort of the same thing that we do on the web, who have already um, gone out of business, shut down, because they just can't. They can't have their livelihood is threatened by by Facebook and by Instagram and Twitter and, and people like that just squelching them on a daily basis. And we like to
3: say that we were um, threatened with a shutdown by Facebook before it was cool. Yeah.
2: Because it
1: <laughs> happened to us back
3: in yeah. 2013. Now, w- yeah. did they ever
1: tell you why and, and oh, what they just. Ha- this-
3: well, the initial time <laughs> when it happened in 2013 early on, it was because um, I had written a post with a headline that uh, was about Jay Carney that they uh-huh. were not pleased with or that people saw and reported en masse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at the time, when people would report a post like that, it would automatically trigger a shutdown. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, I just couldn't log in one morning. And, and she so could. I, went, I went on full PR assault. I let
2: everybody know what was happening, because I was the only one left mm. up. And then um, Todd Starnes got, um, a, he got a whiff of that. Yeah. And then we got a little bit of popularity from that. And it was actually quite helpful to us. It's kind of like, you know, the boycotts now, right? right. It's yeah. kind of like if you let's, oh my gosh, we're not going to eat at Chick-fil-A. Look what happens, yeah. right? I mean, so that, it, that a little bit of that, a microcosm of that. My Facebook page
1: got shut down because promoting the Chick-fil-A Appreciation Day all the way back in 2012.
3: Like completely shut down?
1: Totally shut down Um, for 24 hours. At the very time we were trying to tell everybody about it. Uh, They later came back and turned it back on because they were getting so much trouble. But you know what, I, I just find this incredible. What you have experienced is this shutting down. You were talking about Jay Carney. He was the press secretary to Barack Obama, and yeah. they couldn't stand that somebody might say something right? about him
3: uh-huh.
2: because
1: they've certainly been so kind to my daughter <laughs> yeah. in the White House. Oh, yeah.
3: Who, by the
2: way, huge fan. Oh, my oh, gosh, thank we you. love yeah. her. Yes, we love her.
1: <laughs> what is the message that you think conservatives, and particularly conservative women, need to get out over the course of the next year or so before the 2020 election?
2: I personally, she may have a different answer, but I don't want them to be afraid. I, we, what, we, what we hear... And see a lot of nowadays it's different than you know i would have probably had a different, had a different answer 10 years ago but we see a lot of people in here a lot of people writing us and telling us that they are afraid right now to be conservative or at least be it openly yeah that concerns me a little and i don't want people to be afraid i don't want young women to be afraid to say on college campuses i am a conservative um, it's it's something to be proud of it's something that you know you should wear that like a badge of
3: honor to be <laughs> to But, but be we also start... get why people <laughs> yeah. don't, because now mm. we've got Antifa and crazy lunatics who yeah. are actually physically threatening to people just yeah. for wearing a red hat. Yeah. So.
1: What are the big issues that you think women, not just conservative women, but women ought to be thinking about before they go vote for somebody? Organ somebody.
3: Well, I mean, if it, if it comes down to a 2020 election, I, I want people and women especially to look at results mm-hmm. and not listen to all of this crazy rhetoric that's coming from the left about, here's all the stuff we're gonna give you for free. I, I you know, a lot of people complain about Trump's character, his personality, some of his comments, I get it. But, like she always says, we're not looking to marry him. Yeah, I don't want to date him. (laughs) We're looking, she doesn't want to date him. We just want someone who delivers on the promises they make. Uh And look at what he's done.
1: It is a thrill to have you guys (laughs) here. Thank you. You.
3: And I got to tell
1: everybody about your book.
3: And it's old. It's not like a brand-new book. It yeah. doesn't matter. The coffee. message is, still, is good. still good. It is still good. It's
1: still there. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yes.
1: So to get a fresh, funny, and female conservative take on all the latest news, you can visit their website, chicksontheright.com. You can listen to their podcast, get merchandise, links to social media pages. All of that is on their website. But this is their book. It's called Right for a Reason. And it's available online as well. Now, Keith is going to be buying the first one, I'm sure. But as long as he's looking at the teleprompter, he will be right when he tells you what's coming up next.
0: Comedian Stephen Scott takes the stage next. Then Huck's hero, Paul Kurtz, Shonda Pierce, and country music star Tracy Lawrence are all ahead. Tonight on Huckabee.
1: welcome back to our show. You know, in these days of fake news and political rancor, how would you like a little common sense with humor to maybe throw in there as well? Well, I can't bring back Will Rogers for you, but I do have the next best thing, MikeHuckabee.com. You can sign up for my free, and I did say free newsletter, that's right. It's a daily update on major stories in the news presented in a straightforward manner, but always with a smile. Give it a try. I think you're gonna like a fair approach to the issues in our world. You can also follow me on Twitter for a real entertaining take on Washington's craziness. Just don't take it too seriously. Follow me on Twitter at GovMikeHuckabee. Well, my next guest is an amazing comedian. He has performed all over the world from Broadway to Vegas, entertaining our troops. You of course have heard him on countless commercials and radio and TV shows, including America's Got Talent where Simon Cowell gave him a standing ovation. That doesn't happen very often. Simon, he don't like nobody. Would you please welcome to our stage Stephen Scott? Hey!
4: Thank you, Governor. Hi, everybody! I'm excited to be here. This is my first time in Nashville. Howdy! little mini pearl shout out for you there. Uh, it's great to be here. I was chatting with the governor backstage, and I asked him, I said, which gig is better, politics or show business? And he went, show business. At least I don't have to run for this office every few years. <laughs> I, I don't know how people run for president. It is, I, I tell you something, I can't even watch people running for president anymore. It's exhausting with all the debates and those, oh, those crazy campaign commercials every two minutes. They keep getting nuttier and nuttier. It's like, in 1994, Joe Biden had a love affair with a Chihuahua. <laughs> Is this the kind of man you want as your president?
5: This message, sponsored by the people who love Chihuahuas. <laughs> <laughs> <There's> <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm
4: surprised they don't enforce the same law for the campaign commercials that they do for the prescription medication commercials, where halfway through they have to include a disclaimer listing the side effects of all the crap that might go wrong if you vote for that candidate. Wouldn't that be so helpful? <laughs> Instead of hearing "Hi, I'm so and so, and I approve this message," no, I'd rather hear, "If you vote for this candidate, you may experience bouts of upset stomach, nausea, vomiting, dizziness, rash, chills, fever, swelling of the tongue or throat, higher taxes, a deficit, depression, nightmares, thoughts of suicide, increased bowel movements, or you need to have them and ability to control them." If you have an election that lasts more than four hours, be sure to call your congressman immediately. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> we can do it. And while we're at it, we should revamp the entire electoral process, because it already is an 18-month reality show. Why don't we shorten it to 13 weeks and put it on network TV for a couple hours a week? Wouldn't that make more sense? (laughs) Call it, like, Presidential Idol, or America's Got Candidates, something like that. (laughs) Primaries would be so simple. Candidates would come out, they get two minutes to give a speech, and when they're done, they'd have to get critiqued and voted on by the panel of celebrity judges. Wouldn't that be a fun show? Bernie Sanders comes out, you get Chris Wallace from Fox News moderating. Senator Sanders, as a Jewish person running for office, if you're elected president, would you continue the tradition of the Easter egg hunt on the White House lawn? And then Bernie Sanders will come out and say, I am, of course, Jewish, Chris, but I'd have no religious objection to the Easter egg hunt on the White House lawn. I would, however, take objection that I am 75 years old and I do not like it when kids play on my lawn. And as soon as he's finished, you'd have Simon Cowell sitting there going, you know what I like about you, Bernie? You look like you belong in a nursing home talking to plants, but you're actually quite brilliant. It's a yes from me, you're off to Washington. Wouldn't that be a great show? And bring back all the different reality show judges each week, bring back that guy I always like from Project Runway, Tim Gunn, be like, now let's make it work, people. Or bring back Howard Stern, he'd be funny. He was a judge on AGT. Oh, he'd be like, uh, let me tell you something, Bertie. You got, like, the hottest body. What do you, like, a C-cup? That would be... <laughs> I think we're outing a few Howard Stern fans. <laughs> but the best judge in the world and the only person in the world who qualifies as a TV reality show judge and as a candidate for office would be Donald Trump, which means technically he'd be allowed to judge himself. How fun would that be to watch?
5: <laughs> right? <laughs> We are going to make America so great again, folks. I promise you, I promise you, you're a loser, you're a disaster, you're a terrible person, nobody likes you. I can watch an hour of that a week and be thoroughly entertained.
4: But as I say, it's hard to be president, because no matter what you do, 50% of the people are going to find something wrong with it, right? And then you got comedians like me trying to find things funny. Like a couple weeks ago, uh, president was getting some heat from folks for saying things that could be perceived as culturally insensitive. But, funny thing I've noticed, most of the time, he says them
5: as a compliment. Case in point, Chinese trade deal. The Chinese people laugh at us because they're making terrible deals, some of like, the worst deals I've ever seen and the Chinese people, and I love the Chinese people, by the way. They're wonderful people, the Chinese people. They do my shirts. The fantastic people, and they make those egg rolls. I love those egg rolls with that duck sauce. Now that's a great sauce. That really is a great sauce. And they're great little wall builders. Those Chinese. I mean, did you know they built some great, great walls there in China? But we're going to build a greater one. We're going to build the Great Wall of Trump. It's going to have a casino, a golf course, two hotels. Mike Huckabee's going to pay for it. It's going to be fantastic. (laughs) But here's an example of some of the terrible deals every major city in our country. It's a Chinatown, right? Everywhere you go, we have a Chinatown. I went to five cities in China... They don't have one America town. You see what I mean, folks? <laughs> this is Obama's fault, people. But we're gonna fix it. I promise you, we're gonna. Fi- you know what else we're gonna fix in the trade deal? Now that I'm president, you know what we call our fancy dishes in this country? China. Our fancy dishes are called China. Now that I'm president, I promise you, Chinese people will have to call their fancy dishes America. Let's make it great, or you're fired. Thank you, everybody. It's a pleasure.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> okay, Stephen, I gave you a standing ovation, just oh, like Simon thank Cowell. Thank
4: you so much, I appreciate that. That was funny. Double the compliment funny. from
1: you. Thank you. And I love it that you, uh, you're an equal opportunity offender. I mean, you go after <laughs> Democrats, Republicans, <laughs> and even the host of this show. Oh, it's, hardly, uh... hardly.
4: Well, I'll tell you, you know, I, I subscribe to the Johnny Carson school of thought, which is what you can talk about politics as long as you do not take sides because ostensibly you alienate half your audience. Yeah. I don't wanna alienate everybody. I wanna make everybody laugh. So that's why I, I try and pick on the things. That, if I've done my job well, you shouldn't know if I'm a Republican, Democrat, or independent, because it doesn't matter. What matters is making things funny that we see every day,
1: I understand one of the things you've said is that you now get paid for doing what got you in trouble when you were in school. Absolutely,
4: absolutely. For all those teachers who said to me, you're not going to anything, making those silly jokes wrong. <laughs> Hi, all my teachers. Uh,
1: no, but I think that's got to be the coolest thing in it the is. world. To, to have been that kid that was a cut up in class. Yeah and uh, probably constantly sitting up at the teacher's desk, which was the dumbest thing the teacher could do, putting you up front where you could entertain the entire class. I
4: always say I might have been the class clown if I actually went to
1: class. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I understand though, uh, your dad was a uh, sportscaster? A newscaster newscaster. in New New York, still is,
4: still is. God bless him, working hard. And uh, yeah, it's it's, people always ask me, what's it like having a newscaster as a dad? You know what's bad? When you're a little kid and you get in trouble, and you got to get yelled at or scolded by someone who has a newscaster voice. It puts the fear of God into you. Oh yeah, especially if I was so bad that my mom would have to call him up at work, and you'd be in that newscaster. Be like, Ah, your mother just told me what you did. Well, you're in a lot of trouble, Mister, and you're gonna get it when I get home tonight at eleven. You
1: know. Was, like, <laughs> and now back to you, Joan. <laughs> Stephen, we love having you here. A pleasure, Governor. Will you come back and with be with us again? I'd be more than happy to. Absolutely. Well, we love you. This audience loves you. <laughs> Clearly, they are your fans. Thank you. For videos, tour dates, and a lot more from the amazing Stephen Scott, visit his website, stevenscott.tv. You can also follow him on Facebook at Stephen Scott Fan Page and Instagram and Twitter at Stephen Scott, L-O-L. All right, Keith Bilbrey, he's managed to compose himself from all the laughter that he's been under. He's going to tell us what's coming up on the show next.
0: Well, next, Huck's hero, Paul Kurtz, changes lives with coffee. Then Mike finds the funny in the news. Shonda Pierce learns the art of cow milking. And country music's Tracy Lawrence performs on Huckabee.
1: Coffee is one of the most valuable commodities on the planet. While my next guest is a hero for his efforts to provide delectable roasts that soothe our caffeinated palates, it's his unique relationship with coffee farmers that makes him tonight's Huck's Hero.
6: atmosphere is importing coffee directly from farmers in a way that makes them sustainable and lets them fulfill their calling locally in the 2000s I was traveling a lot it began really to see the inadequacies of philanthropy or of nonprofits to really create wealth it really depended on handouts handouts are a lot like heroin cocaine they create a dependency and it destroys initiative. And it wasn't because of their lack of work or ethic or they're, you know, they're not lazy, they had great ideas. They were
0: growing coffee. So there is a help that hurts. Probably over 90% of the work of the coffee getting into your cup that you can drink is done uh, on the farm and by the farmers and the workers on that farm. And yet, they get usually the, the, um, the short end of the stick. Now I was
6: paying $15 a pound for coffee at Starbucks and I was trying to figure out why are you saying you have no money and I'm paying $15 a pound.
7: We go down and say what do you need so you can give us what we need and how can we do that in a way that mutually benefits you and your community and is sustainable so we know that we can
6: trust you and have this relationship in the future. Business to business it's not about you know just the handouts but this is an actual business we have to trust him and he has to trust us. And just to see the difference that that, that makes
0: is just exciting. These people that touch this little bean that pick this off of a, of a coffee plant, they're able to have a bit better life. It's just coffee,
6: that's the, that's the crazy thing, but it's coffee. It's 25 million families that annually depend on it for their livelihood and it's a product with blood on its hands. But it can change, and it is changing. But
1: well, with us now is Paul Kurtz, who, as you saw, has made it his mission to offer a hand up to coffee growers all over the world. Joining him is Audie Blaylock, a bluegrass group, Audie Blaylock and Redline, who teamed up with Paul to create a coffee brand to also help others. It's called the Redline Roast. Well, Paul, Audie, thank you guys for being here. And uh, Paul, our Huck's hero tonight, I love the story of your helping people across the world to farm coffee and actually make a living at it. Yeah, yeah. What started you with this?
6: I think working 22 years for a mission agency that we did a lot of, a lot of good things in communities, wells, agricultural projects, uh, helping churches do leadership conferences. But there was always, next year another request for a handout. Yeah, And there's only so much good handouts do. You know, it creates dependency. And my mind started spinning. You've got this product that is tied to a commodity pricing system. How cheap can we buy it? There's a hundred steps that a coffee farmer goes to to make good coffee, and it's offering a fair wage
1: for this product that they pour their heart and soul into. One of the things that I'm most impressed by is that you're doing this to empower people in these yeah. developing countries to be able to take care of their families in a way that some of them otherwise would never yeah. be able to do unless they had some yeah. government handout. Uh, you know, in northern Thailand, among the Aka
6: tribe, one of the tribes, there's 80 women who are full-time employed. Most of them were sex trafficked. And mm-hmm. when they heard there's work in the village, found their way home. You go to that village today, it's, it's like the kingdom of God at work. There's a yeah. thriving community, children running around, women singing. Uh, they've got jobs with dignity. And much better than just sending money to the village by the government to
1: help them survive. You need another handout. Audi one of the things that it kind of makes it all real for you to be here is that there's a connection that you have with Paul in a special brand of coffee that relates to the band that you have called Redline. Tell us about how that happened.
8: Well, through Reed Jones, who, uh, who plays bass in the band, he is a, a coffee connoisseur like the, the rest of us. Reed developed the ra- relationship over several years with Paul and Grace, and so we approached them about a partnership, and the rest is history. And we developed this coffee, and they have been more than gracious uh, and accommodating, and I must say that it's really nice to do business with someone that has integrity. Well,
1: I want to say to our audience, they're all going to get a little sample of Red Line Coffee before yes, they leave they here, are. Tonight, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I've already ordered my own Hemisphere Coffee, and I want to tell our audience, you need to drop by HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. That's where I got it. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Get a bag of one of Paul's great coffees, including the Red Line Roast, uh, because that also uh, is the brand that Audie and his uh, band have put together, and a portion of that goes to help people through the Red Cross. Now, it's good coffee, and it's doing good. So if you'd like to see the documentary about Hemisphere's mission to help farmers, you can visit CafediegoMovie.com. You can also learn more about Audie Blaylock and Redline on their Facebook page, and Here's a special bonus. Visit Huckabee.tv. You can enjoy an online exclusive performance by Audie Blaylock and Redline, and it's a song called The Gate Beautiful, based on Acts chapter 3. It's a beautiful song. You're absolutely going to love it, and you don't want to miss it. Keith, I'm sure you're over there brewing up something, but uh, tell us what you've got in your cup tonight. The
0: always funny, in case you missed it, is up next. Then the fun continues when Shonda Pierce hits the dairy farm. Later, country music legend Tracy Lawrence sings On Huckabee.
1: Welcome back. Well, from an X lax overdose to home design, run amok, we've got the news that'll make you want to get up and go on a segment we call, in case you missed it. All right, let's start it off. A dozen rock bands from all around the globe gathered in Finland for the first world championship of heavy metal knitting. That's right, knitting. It's kind of like air guitar, only instead of pretending to play instruments, they jump around knitting to heavy metal music. But I am proud to say that an American group took the bronze, I love their name, Nine Inch Needles. (laughs) I might even form my own band and call it Black Fabric or Knit One, (laughs) Pearl Jam Two, I don't know it. May sound ridiculous, but it's the only knitting competition in the world where if your needle slips and you pierce a body part, you win extra points Sir, (laughs) Hey, Forrest Gump was right about life being like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. In fact, just ask Abby Jimenez of Minnesota. Her husband read that one square of chocolate x lax equals one dose. So he ate one entire square bar. (laughs) Not realizing that it breaks apart into 12 little squares That's right, he ate a dozen doses of Ex-Lax. So Abby called poison control for him since he was indisposed But she could barely talk because she couldn't stop laughing Abby, of course, shared the story with the whole world on Facebook And it went viral Guess you could say her husband is now the butt of thousands of jokes. (laughs) As you can imagine, he was none too pleased. And by the way, he had a right to be upset. That was his story. I mean, he had squatters rights to that story. (laughs) Boy, you know, your wife really loves you when her reaction to you having explosive intestinal distress is uncontrollable laughter. I'll bet you he gives her a big box of chocolates to say, I love you. But Abby, darling, if I were you, I wouldn't eat them. I wouldn't, no. All right, before we go, we want to share with you something quite unique. Real estate agent, Vanessa Van Winkle has been in the business for a while. And so she gathered together some of the most unbelievable home design fails that she had ever seen in her work. And she shared them on Twitter. Well, we want you to know if you agree with her, just take a look. First off, a beautiful chandelier just slightly off its mark. <laughs> or could we interest you in a four pedestal bath in your bedroom <laughs> with carpet trim? And finally, how about his and her commodes? <laughs> but be sure if you get them, put them close enough so that you can keep the conversation flowing. By the way, if you want to see more real estate fails, you can follow Vanessa Van Hinkle on Twitter. Yes, you can. Well, just like the poor fella in the X-Lax story, we've run out of time. But (laughs) never forget, we read the news. Well, I know you've heard of the beautiful city of Charlotte, North Carolina, but what about a trip on the path less traveled? We're going just down the road to show you why Fort Mill, South Carolina, is our kind of town.
0: Just south of Charlotte is the gotta-see little town of Fort Mill, South Carolina. With history on display hailing back to the 1800s and a thriving, delightful old town, Fort Mill holds the homey southern town feeling while adding just the right amount of modern to have you grinning like a possum eating a sweet potato. There's only one way to start your visit off right, with food, of course. Hop on into the proper pig and enjoy true Southern Vittles. Then make your way over to the Cut Praise Cakery for mouthwatering cupcakes and other tasty treats. Walk off that meal in the charming historic district and see the Civil War era cannons. Now if you're there on the 4th of July, you'll see the town decked out in the colors of old glory. And the townsfolk firing off those same cannons. Just stay clear of the business end to enjoy another day. Each spring, Fort Mill celebrates their Strawberry Festival. There's a beauty pageant, a wrestling competition, uh, separate events, of course, plus live music and strawberry delights every which way you can think of. There are old textile mills, picturesque mansions, gorgeous parks, and the Fort Mill Community Playhouse, where you can top off your evening with some wholesome entertainment. There's no end of things to do in this town. And Fort Mill is home to Ed Curry, the owner of Pucker Butt Pepper Company, and the twisted mind behind the Carolina Reaper Pepper. This pepper is so hot, just looking at it will put hair on your chest and melt it right back off. While you wouldn't want to eat the reaper on its own, it has plenty of sweet and spicy combinations of sauces for you to try. With its unbridled patriotism and warmth toward visitors, this all-American town clearly loves and values our country. And with plenty more to do, see, and taste, we're proud to recognize Fort Mill, South Carolina as our
1: kind of town. Yes, indeed. Fort Mill, South Carolina is our kind of town. I've actually been there, and I've been shopping at that incredible pepper store. We've got some stuff right here from the Pucker Butt Pepper Company. That's actually the name of the store. I'm taking the milder stuff because some of it, honestly, uh, I'm giving to Trey Corley. I think he will really, really enjoy that stuff. Hey, a lot of people have helped make that visual tour of Fort Mill happen for you, and I want to thank all of them. Leanne Burnett-Morris, Tony McMahon, Michael Gentry, and Blue Stocking Media. Now, you can put together your own plans to visit Fort Mill, South Carolina, by going to fortmillsc.gov and checking out the Visitors tab. Keith, I hope you're not all talked out, because you got some splaining to do about the rest of the show. Well,
0: still ahead, Sean DePierce shares a moving dairy experience and country singer Tracy Lawrence performs right here on Huckabee.
1: Well, welcome back to the show. Our good friend Shonda Pierce does a wonderful series on this show where she just goes out and explores the weird and wonderful things that make our country special. This time, she's headed to Hatcher Family Dairy to show us more of Shonda's America.
7: I'm so excited we have a brand new segment at Hatcher Family Dairy. It's gonna be a great day. I'm Shonda Pierce and this is my America. Charles Hatcher. It's a privilege, just a privilege. Thanks for having us out here. I'm glad
8: you're here. The dairy here, it's about 200 acres, so we've been here for almost 200 years now. I'm the fifth generation, and that's what means the most to us, is keeping it going for generations and generations. Well, I can't wait to see it. Are you ready to go on a tour? I'm ready. Did you know that that eggs come out of chicken butts? (laughs) Yes, I do. Okay, did you know that you don't have to have a rooster for eggs to be laid?
7: You know what I've learned in my widowhood? You don't have to have a man for a lot of things. Well,
8: you're exactly right. (laughs) I willingly admit that.
7: (laughs) Okay, let me ask you something. So these are ready to gather, right? These Look.
8: ladies are like clockwork. So whenever you go in there and get the goodies, wow. and then about 18 more hours later, they'll lay some more. And then there's 18 hours. Yeah, you'll see there's different colors in there, too. So different breeds lay different colors.
7: Really? That's but right. on the inside, it's all the same. Isn't that's it? right. Seeing exactly right. other children, that's a lesson about racism. Everything on the inside is the same. So, Charles, I guess since we took their eggs, we have to feed them out. Does that kind of keep Ex- it going?
8: Exactly, you got to reward them, because they worked hard. Now, this is an all-girls club. Uh-huh. So do you think you can hang with the, with the ladies? Now I'm
7: a chicken whisperer. Come on, girls. They're not it, roosters, although some of them look like roosters. hmm They might be these transgender chickens. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like my jokes. <laughs>
8: Yeah, this is the way my cooking goes all the time. So far, nothing's really throwing me off, Charlie. You got anything harder? I think we might have something cooking over here that we can warm you up with. Ah. Out here, this is a crappy job, but somebody's got to do it, you know. Oh That's where God. this comes into play. You do a little, do a little scrape action oh. here. Oh!
7: Ow! It kind of stirs let's up see, the,
8: Let's see what you got. That that warm breeze, you know, takes the...
7: This, I'm telling you, Governor Huckabee, you have no idea how much you are loved, but that... Hey, this is
8: nice to watch somebody do that it.
7: That love is wearing thin. Gross! It's
8: the smell of money. Smell
7: of money. I notice as I travel across the country, farming in America is at an all-time low.
8: It is. I mean, yeah. the, the average age for a farmer now is like sixty-six years old.
7: I love that it says Farm Strong, Faith, Family, Farm, and Fitness.
8: My dad, he uh, he had some. Friends that he'd lift weights with and they say, Hatcher, you're farm strong. That kind of resonated with him. And he thought, what does that mean to me? So he ended up writing a book and talks about how the farm shaped him into the man he is today.
7: Right. Do you ever feel pressure, Charles? Because you're you know, you're on the hyphen there there's no mate yet, yeah, there's no I, I, kids I, yet.
8: My, my dad says all the time, you better hurry up, you know, you're getting out of your prime now. So <laughs> all right, so we'll go downstairs, meet the ladies and get up close and personal. Are you ready to do that? Well,
7: I'm ready. All right. <laughs>
8: It's go time, so they come in. They're
7: ready. We'll uh,
8: we'll milk them out, and you'll get to have the finished product. Oh
7: boy! Okay, don't anybody poop on me.
8: There's an art to this, and it's harder than it looks. So you got to pull from the top, and then squeeze down. Yes. And I'm so good, I can I can even shoot people. Oh, stop! Yeah. Let's see what you got. Okay. Oh, I it didn't do good. Ow! Oh! <laughs> I told you it's harder than it looks. It is
7: yeah. harder.
8: It's not working. OK. We got these big old fancy machines now. That's much better. This one will go to that one. Oh, boy. See if you can do it. OK. You might move a little. Oh, there's one. Look at there. Look! Professional. Yes. <laughs> oh! We have Milkitch.
7: Charles, I think you're like a farming superstar.
8: Well, I like to think that. <laughs> now that you're here, we've hit the big time.
7: Exactly. Yeah. You know, I have been so impressed and. You know, I've been hesitant about getting on FarmersOnly.com, but I think I might be cut out for this. Hey, was, you know. Can I put you down? Can't it
8: until you try it. Can right? I put you
7: down as a reference? Yeah, you sure can. And look what I picked up. Ah, oh, my dad's farm buddy. strong. You know how precious that you know so much about your heritage. And
8: that you have such a great strong family. We want to kill each other half the time, but at the end of the day we all you know we know what it's about, yeah. passing to the next generation. I know.
7: And that is the that is the very thread that holds America together is great families. It is. I love it. Okay. This is Shonda Pierce signing off My America.
1: Be sure to check out our good friend Shonda and all of her wonderful comedy, her film, other things that she's up to at Shonda.org. Keith, I bet you found that story utterly delightful. So tell us what's next.
0: Next country music star Tracy Lawrence takes the stage on Huckabee.
1: My next guest sold over 13 million records, and he's charted 18 number one hits Sticks and Stones, and Find Out Who Your Friends Are, and a whole bunch more. His latest recording may just be his best. It's called Made in America, just released to critics' praise as his most personal album of his entire career. Would you please welcome a great friend and an amazing country artist, Tracy Lawrence? Tracy, welcome. Thank you, Gary. Good to have you here. Thank you. I've been so
9: excited. <laughs> I've been so excited about seeing you again. I think the last time our paths crossed was up in New York City and that's you right. actually set in with the band back that's then. That's right. I, that and was on I was disappointed the to find out show. you weren't gonna play tonight.
1: Well, I think your band had heard me play <laughs> and they said, please do not let that guy get near <laughs> an instrument. So that's what, that's what I hear happen. Uh, listen, it's great to see you. Love to see Thank Arkansas you. guys like you do well. I'm really proud, this new, uh, this new album, I-, I wasn't kidding. I mean, even critics like it and critics don't like anything.
9: I'm really proud of it. Uh, I, the hardest thing at, at a later stage in an artist's career, I think, is to not overlap what you've already done. Yeah. And I went in with a very strong focus of trying to be traditional, trying to be current, I, I was working on another uh, title on the record when uh, my buddies and I got Rick Huckabee and, and Adam Sanders got together and wrote Made in America. And we, uh, we had an amazing write session that day. I came in with that idea. I told him, I said, I've never written an Americano song. I don't have anything like this on the record. Uh, and I wanted it to be non-political. Yeah. I wanted it to, to sing the praises of hardworking American men and women and the things that we're proud of that unite us and not divide
1: us. I, I think it's great that you've done an album that everyone, I don't care where they are on the political spectrum can say, this is my country. I love America. I I hope so. And I hope people believe that too. Yes, sir. You know, we got to talking backstage. I mean, we start knowing a lot of the same people. It gets a little bit crazy. I'm so proud of the career that you have had. It's just extraordinary, but you've got a lot of other things going on. Like understand you got a cruise coming up. When is that January?
9: Crew's coming up in uh, end of January and I think there's a lot of Opry folks that are on it. Uh, jo- I think Johnny Lee and let's say prayers for Johnny Lee. He was having some surgery mm. uh, this week and I hope he's going to be all right. I talked with him right before he went in. So um, doing a lot of that stuff, I- I've got a-, a Broadway play that I've been working on the-, the score for for about seven years. It did a full week in June at the West Virginia University. We, we uh, made the New York Music Festival last summer to great reviews. Did a couple of readings in New York City. We're trying to get this Thing get legs up under it to get it out touring and from, hopefully find it back on Broadway
1: from Foreman, Arkansas. <laughs> population, what about? 1, well, the, the sign says
9: 1,100, but I think there's about nine.
1: Yeah, well, that includes all the dogs and cats <laughs> and all the other pets there. Uh, but from Foreman to Broadway, that's that's pretty tall cotton, as it's, we'd say down the south. It's a, a long way. Arkansas. Yes, there it is. <laughs> so, um, you're still touring, which uh, I mean that's that's just a staple of what you're doing. And I think uh, 2020. You're teaming up with another Arkansas guy that I know and love, Justin Moore. So you guys are out on the road some. We're gonna
9: go out and do 18 to 20 shows, I believe, about, about three months worth of work starting uh, the third week of January. And I can't remember where exactly we're starting up. They're still trying to finalize the dates. They're wrestling with a couple of buildings right now. But it's gonna be w- great working with Justin. He and I uh, have spent a little time together over the last few years. And and uh, he actually sang alibis with me on my, my duet project a couple of years back.
1: It's no small wonder that you, your career has has been uh, one that has sustained through decades, and I'm so delighted to have you here. Thank you, sir. Great to see you, Tracy. So as Tracy Lawrence gets ready to sing, Keith is going to let you know how you can get more of his music, which you will want to do.
0: Tracy Lawrence's Made in America is out this week. You can find it everywhere music is sold. Go to TracyLawrence.com for music, concert schedules, and more. That's TracyLawrence.com. And make sure you visit Huckabee.tv after the show for an exclusive performance of Tracy singing his classic hit, Time Marches On. Now, here to sing his latest hit is Tracy Lawrence.
10: So a line, making that Detroit steel. Asphalt streets, rolls in the fields. It's a loving hand handout, somebody gets down on their luck. It's Friday night, it's fourth and lights for them don't touch down. Walk off homer, hear the roar of the crowd. Side so go a little deeper, where well, that going gets tough. Come. it's who we are that run deep in all empty states. It comes from the freedom born in every single one of us. It's who we are, it's what we love, it's what we do. It's a